Welcome to episode 41 of the Seeking the Military Suicide Solution podcast brought to you by the Military Times. I'm Dwayne France. And I'm Doc Shauna Springer. And we'd like to thank you for taking the time to learn more about suicide in the military-affiliated population. To check out all the shows, search for STMSS in the Google Play or Apple App Store, and you can download an app that will allow you to listen to all the episodes, check out the show notes, and share the episodes with someone who you think needs to hear it. Thanks again to everybody for joining us to listen to an honest conversation about service member, veteran, and military family suicide. Looking for folks who are doing good work in suicide prevention, we want to go from the highest strategic level to the lowest operational level. Today's guest is someone who is doing work on the ground in communities while coordinating efforts at the state level. Shauna, what can you tell us about our guest? Yes, so Kim Donahue is the Nevada Department of Veterans Services Suicide and Homelessness Prevention Program Manager. She also serves on the teams of the Las Vegas and Truckee Meadows Mayor's Challenge to prevent suicide of veterans, military members, and their families. These teams are comprised of state, federal, military, and community agencies that align their efforts in consistent ways. Kim brings people to the table. I reached out to a veteran that she often partners with, and he said this about her. Kim has been a rock for the entire state of Nevada. She's open to learning and wants Nevada to lead the way in setting a new standard for governors and mayor's challenges to prevent suicide. Yes, I think that this is really where things are going to change is if we get champions in communities and give the champions those tools that they need to be able to be effective. And and that's really what the goal is to link the federal, state, and local efforts. So we'll get into the conversation and come back afterwards to pull out some of the key points. One of the things that we're trying to do with this series is look at as broad a range, different solutions, different efforts from the national level with some of our national level guests, some of our researcher guests, all the way down to people that are doing things at the state and local level. And that's what Nevada is doing, specifically as part of the Governor's Challenge and the Mayor's Challenge. I'd like to hear from your point of view, maybe give us an overview of um, Nevada's efforts regarding suicide prevention in the military-affiliated population. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Nevada has had an incredible opportunity through the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration Teaming up back in 2018, Las Vegas was one of the first seven cities selected from across the nation to participate in their inaugural mayor's challenge. And and what I love about it is it takes our state, federal, and military partners, but it also combines what I think is one of the most important elements is our community. You have community organizations that come in. So it's this incredible interagency team all at one table. And what this has allowed for Nevada is the mayor's and the governor's challenge has provided our state an opportunity to build another incredible layer to our foundation of suicide prevention efforts that we have had. We are so blessed in this state to have Ms. Yvonne Allen. She is our state suicide prevention coordinator and works under the incredible leadership under the Department of Health and Human Services under Dr. Stephanie Woodard. And what this has allowed us to do is pull all of these agencies across our state 
to one table and for us to come together. And I think it's so important. And, and I keep emphasizing this because one of the things that someone said to me and I heard it said again and again, and then someone made the mistake of saying this comment and I exploded. People say, stay in your lane of traffic. You and I both know, Dwayne, that is like the worst thing to say to a suicide prevention coordinator or anyone who is in mental health because we know suicide prevention, there is no one cause that can lead someone to have thoughts of suicide or to be struggling. And so we need to be in everyone's lane of traffic. Yes, it's nice to put a blinker on and swerve in, and then sometimes we swerve back out. But I think breaking those silos down and really partnering, the mayor's challenge allows us at a city community frontier level. And for those of you listening, Nevada's demographics are so broad. We have city centers and we have such a rural area with over 27 tribes that represent in our state. And so we have so many different subpopulations that we have to focus on. And so this allows us a platform for us to have the same conversation, which is so important, having that safe messaging and disseminating a message collaboratively and working together. And that's what I really have seen that this mayor's and governor's challenge team have allowed us across our states and our communities. And I'm sure, Dwayne, that we have to, with our different demographics in our states, we need to sometimes tackle education and prevention in different conversations. We culturally are very respective of it. It's having to have a perspective and looking through a lens from so many different perspectives so we can all come together. And that's really what I like to emphasize is it's been just such a fantastic platform for us to add that extra layer onto the foundation that we already have here. I think this is a great example of, like you said, this collaborative nature. I think of Las Vegas, obviously you have the military installations there. The Air Force has a significant presence there in Las Vegas and also regionally. Of course, the Department of Veterans Affairs is there. They have their focus. And then you have the community. And typically, each one of them are trying to do their own lane. And almost that it is delineated. Someone is in the DOD and then they're in the VA or they're in the community. Whereas we're in all of these things, especially now, currently you may have a dual military spouse. One spouse leaves the military. Now they're a part of the VA, they're a veteran. And so there's this complicated overlap. And Las Vegas is a good example of, and this is one of my new favorite phrases that one of our guests had said is silos of excellence, where we're trying to do excellent work, but we're doing it separately. And for a long time, that hasn't been effective. Las Vegas, for example, is a way as you said, to be able to connect those disparate organizations together. It has been a fantastic opportunity. I want to say early on, we saw a great impact in Las Vegas, especially with our Las Vegas Mayor's Challenge team. We had one of the chiefs from FIRE who was on our team, and he really saw the importance of what we were doing and why it's so important to identify our military population and then 
making sure that we connect that individual with whatever service they may need with the correct person the first time. And that has been, you know, really key. And so taking military culture training, for example, implementing it into our crisis intervention teams, giving them that education. It's just another and phenomenal tool in their toolbox that helps them when they are out interfacing with our community. We've gone from that to how are we identifying our population and bringing us all together to say, here are the resources. I love the wraparound resources because I love that we are looking at our veterans, our service members, and also most importantly, the family members. This has been a great opportunity for us to help provide education and support and resources to the families who support those who wear the uniform. And we have a very large veteran and service member. We've got almost 250,000 veterans that we've identified in our state. We have, I believe, close to 11,000 active duty and, and around five or 6,000 National Guard and Reserve. And you, I'm sure you've seen that our National Guard is, has been activated and has been incredible here in the state of Nevada with everything that's been going on recently. And so we do have a very large population and providing resources to each of those is so important. Yes. And the idea of interventions for each of those populations are necessarily different. Um, The stressors are necessarily different. And that's another thing that I really looking at what Nevada is doing from the outside uh, looking in is you have another mayor's challenge community, the the Northern Nevada Truckee Meadows mayor's challenge, which is more regional or has, but it's very different because it has a different demographic than the Las Vegas team. So even within a state, I'm not sure how far apart these two communities are, but you have to have different interventions and different focuses, even based on geography within your state. Absolutely. We have been fortunate. SAMHSA awarded the state of Nevada with a second Mayor's Challenge team. So in 2019, the Truckee Meadows, we decided to call ourselves the Truckee Meadows Mayor's Challenge team because we broke the rules a little bit, Dwayne. They approached us and said we would love for Reno, the city of Reno, to be awarded the next Mayor's Challenge. And I'm sure this is like this across the nation. We have another sister city that is so close and overlaps. It's called the city of Sparks. And so we went back to SAMHSA and said, we would like to include the city of Sparks. And then from there, we said, actually, we really want to incorporate all of Truckee Meadows. So that includes Washoe County. And it really encompassed One of um, our large tribal is our Reno Sparks Indian Colony. And so we've had great representation and support there. And so you're right, the demographics are a bit different. By car, I believe it's about eight hours drive in between Las Vegas and Reno. By plane, it's a good hour and 20 minutes or something like that. So it's not too bad. But that has allowed us an opportunity to, again, at a community, city, frontier level, tackle different initiatives. For example, down in Las Vegas, we started taking job resource fairs and really focused in the city of Las Vegas 
instead of having resource fairs where you are having the traditional job skills and building those interview skills and building their resume and helping them um, along those lines, we did it to where we expanded it to the spouses. So employers hired the veteran and spouses right there on the spot. And we shifted our job resource fairs down there. Up here in the north, the team started really tackling how are we navigating if our first responders identify if there's a veteran or a service member or a family member in the community, how are we navigating them through the system? What are the resources? Instead of maybe taking that individual to an emergency room, here's the number to call the VA and see if this individual is connected with the VA. And if so, make sure that we're taking them there instead of to a different hospital and really trying to streamline. So we right there pulled in our zero suicide coordinator for our state. And we started teaming up with our zero suicide coordinator and asked her to implement an ask the question campaign. And for us in suicide prevention, ask the question for us normally means, are you having thoughts of suicide? But this ask the question campaign that we are implementing and working on is we are training our first responders, our medical staff to ask the question, have you ever served in a branch of the U.S. military? Because this lets us know if they are a veteran, if they're active duty, someone can say, no, my father or my, my brother is a veteran. It's us to then put on a different set of lenses and have an extra bag of protective factors, right? An extra set of tools to help navigate this individual and connect them with the right service. And this is where, again, I see the benefit of, let's say, you and your team working at the state level, being able to coordinate or support these individual community groups, but you're taking what's working at the national level and interpreting that and implementing that in a way, the what you're talking about is interventions that the CDC are best practices, things like uh, increasing economic stability by getting both the veteran and the spouse employed increases economic stability, which is a protective factor, which avoids suicidal crisis. And what you're doing in Northern Nevada, Truckee Meadows is the education and awareness piece around asking the question and suicide safer care by getting them to the proper uh, care. These are strategies that have been developed at the national level and that you're interpreting, like I said, and then applying how it is supposed to work and what is in the need of your individual communities. Absolutely, Dwayne. I, I have to say one of my favorite strategies that the CDC and SAMHSA has provided to the mayor's and governor's challenge team was a process called crisis intercept mapping. And this crisis intercept mapping allowed us to bring all of our team members together to one table. And it allowed us to look at our strengths, our weaknesses, our opportunities, and our threats. That was impactful for our communities across the state because it allows us to identify where are our gaps. 
And what was so amazing that we had agencies that were sitting at the table for the first time together that we were having a conversation and we already had solutions sitting at the table. We already had a bridge to fulfill that gap. But see, because we sometimes silo, we don't know that we have solutions sometimes in our own communities because sometimes we're not talking and, and collaborating. And so we were able to identify that we already had one program that actually did fulfill the needs trying to fill a gap in another area. And it's just educating all of our providers at the table and letting folks know. So it's a really phenomenal process. And again, I have to really emphasize, it's so important to understand what your foundation is as far as suicide prevention and efforts in your communities statewide, taking that foundation and then incorporating the national evidence-based strategies and figuring out how and where can we implement those to make it a successful and sustainable system in our state. And that's what our teams have been able to do so far. And so we are really actively trying to make change. And I think with that, it is bringing everyone together to have the conversation and using, as you have mentioned, the CDC, SAMHSA, the VA, using all of these evidence-based and implementing them into what we currently have has been pretty successful for us so far. We still have a lot of work to do, but it's exciting and we welcome the challenge. Definitely what we're doing is to trying to save individual lives, right? At the very basic, we are trying to uh, do as much as we can for each of the individuals, but then it's almost like this bowl within a bowl. And I see this idea of you're establishing footholds, if people will forgive me the military metaphor, a beachhead in these particular areas and then spreading out. And eventually that will join to cover a, a large portion of Nevada or as we're doing large portions of the state. Because many states are different geographically in different areas. You have rural Missouri and urban Missouri and, and, and so on. And, and so what I see for you is Again, this idea of what's common, and you don't have to use all of the CDC's techniques. It's like a smorgasbord. You don't have to go eat the steak and the pizza and the eggs. You can choose what works best for you, what you need at that time, knowing that if it pops up and you actually do need to eat the steak, you can do that. Absolutely. Another thing that I really would like to emphasize, and I know that we had touched on it briefly, is one of the other opportunities that the Mayor's and Governor's Challenge team has provided is state-to-state -state sharing. The state of Nevada has collaborated with the state of Texas. We've reached out to the state of Georgia. Many of us have similar demographics and similar struggles. New Hampshire has been um, an exceptional state as far as their securing lethal means and the importance of that. And when I say securing lethal means, we're talking about making sure that access to medications and firearms are secure. And so New Hampshire has had a great program. And so doing that state-to-state -state sharing and what's worked for them, what hasn't worked, 
states can learn a lot from other states when we don't succeed in certain areas. Sometimes programs don't succeed because there was just one little element that was missing. And another state might be able to pick up on that and learn from those lessons. And so I really do encourage collaboration. I laugh because my new favorite word that I have plastered everywhere is connectedness. Because you really do see the impact when we are connected. And it's it, it's so important. And I think that these efforts, the more that we can get from top down and down up, so having our leadership understand throughout our nation and organizations and agencies, all the way down to the person who's at the bottom of the totem pole in that agency. It's so important for everyone has a part. And that's what I think is so important. That's what I think having that connectedness and working together has just been um, really impactful for our state. It puts me in mind of that story where, you know, the janitor at NASA is asked, what do you do here? And he says, I help people get to the moon in that each part of what we're doing is connected to this larger significant mission. And, and I think that's exactly what you're describing is the work that we're connected. As you said, us in Colorado, I've consulted with the Oklahoma Governor Challenge team because we do have some similar demographics and sort of the way our population is distributed and things like that. And again, it is this, what we're all trying to do is save lives and what we've been trying to do individually hasn't necessarily worked. And so let's try to do something connectedly, as you say. One of the big things that we're hoping to do is to identify action steps that individuals or communities or things like that can say, what would you recommend as action that people can take when they are trying to, say, bring together all of the different cats that are running around their community? say, look to your local coalitions in your community, your suicide prevention coalitions. Every state has coalitions throughout their state. Get connected there. Go on to Psych Armor is a great organization. They have a module called SAVE. And actually, that's one of the things Duane Nevada teamed up with Psych Armor. And we had our own URL link specifically built for Nevada to this SAVE module. It's a 25-minute suicide prevention training module. We also had them add in there the 15 things veterans want you to know because the more we learn how to identify and help support each other, that's where it's at. And again, it goes back to connectedness. And so I say reach out to your local coalitions see what you can do to get educated. That's the first step. Learn what you can do. Sometimes even just picking up the phone and saying hi, we don't realize how impactful that can be for somebody. You no, know, I appreciate that. And again, it really encourages me as we're going through this series and hearing this is not the first time PsychArmor has come up as a resource not for intervention themselves, but to support organizations that are implementing that intervention, even as having the CEO of PsychArmor back in episode 23, Tina Atherall. But that's an example of that is a resource that is at the national level. It's not very specific to a community, but that a community can, can implement, that can take advantage of to address what's going on in their location. Kim, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. 
Thank you so much, Dwayne, for having me. It's been a pleasure. And um, I wish you um, all the best. If there's anything that that I or Nevada can do to help support your efforts, please. We are here to help. So thank you for this opportunity and make sure everyone stays socially connected. Absolutely. So thank you. And uh, we look forward to seeing what Nevada is going to be doing in the future. Sounds wonderful. Thanks, Duane. I think it's really important to understand how others around the country are implementing some of the concepts that we've been talking about. This is really where the rubber meets the road and where change is actually going to happen. Definitely. Kim emphasized that effective suicide prevention does not have lanes. Suicide prevention, especially the practice of suicide prevention based on a public health approach, is about dropping the sense of ownership of one solution for all. It's about deep collaboration with people with different views. It's about understanding that suicide prevention requires a free-range approach based on flexible thinking grounded in solid theory. And what works for one person may not work for another. I have a friend and colleague named Jennifer Tracy who has lived experience of a struggle with suicidal feelings. And she's about to publish a new book called From the Deepest Darkness to the Light of Hope. In one of her chapters which is entitled Victories from the Hill, she said this, there are lots of good-hearted people who believe that what worked for them will also work for others. These people at times stand on a hill waving a flag proclaiming, look, the answer to what you're facing, it's over here. It worked for me, so it should work for you too. The most powerful and profound lesson I can teach you is if you want to win the battle you are facing, be it grief, depression, anxiety, PTSD, or even thoughts of suicide, You must decide that you want to learn everything you can about it. You must be open-minded. Kim Donahue is open-minded. It's the first thing that veterans she works with say about her. Being open-minded also means that she is not someone who will stay in one lane. The two qualities often go hand in hand. I really like how your friend identifies that. and, And I've seen the same thing too. But then it just put me in mind of, we only apply that to something like suicide. whereas we don't do that in other areas of our life. If we talk about self-care, we know that not everybody likes yoga. Not everybody. I don't like massages. I've said before, I really enjoy using a float tank. My wife calls it my really expensive nap, but it's one of those things. That's how I self-care. Football fans are not necessarily baseball fans. If we enjoy sports, not every sport. And so it's interesting that we look at something like suicide prevention and we think that there is this single unifying thing that will solve everything. When that's not the case, we all have individual choices and appreciations and and predilections in every other area of our life. Why do we think we need to apply that to this? That's a really good analogy. And with Jennifer's example and that, it just, what she really communicates is that people are well-intentioned when they say, here's the way out. I learned the way. But you're right. It would be like somebody saying, the thing you must do is yoga. And I kind of hate yoga. And I've tried it a few times and I know I'm supposed to like it, but I just don't. And Gretchen Rubin has written some interesting things about when you give up thinking, this is what I should enjoy, or this is what I should go after. You open the door for what really does work for you. And so I think that's an important point. At the same time, though, there are some themes in terms of how certain experiences can affect groups 
And the other point that I wanted to pull out is how Kim emphasized efforts to ask the question. And it's not the question that many of us may be thinking of as in, are you having thoughts of hurting or killing yourself? But the question really of whether an individual has ever served in a branch of the U.S. military. Dr. and Mrs. Howard and Jean Somers, the parents of Sergeant Daniel Somers, have been advocating for this question to become standard practice for many years. There are experiences that service members have during their time in the military that require a well-informed approach from their healers. I recently read an article about moral injury in War on the Rocks. It was written by Bill Edmonds, a retired Special Forces officer who has a keenly developed understanding of moral injury. In the article, he quotes Daniel Somer's last words to his wife prior to his suicide. These words, I am left with basically nothing, too trapped in a war to be at peace, too damaged to be at war. How can I possibly go around like everyone else? There are some things that a person simply cannot come back from. So healers who work with warriors need to understand the challenges and the moral complexities of what may happen during someone's time in service. This is why the Somers advocate for awareness of past military service. And I wanted to emphasize that this effort is now part of how Nevada is leading the way with its co-aligned suicide prevention efforts. I agree. I was actually working with the IVMF, America's Service Community of Practice, a couple of weeks ago. And that was one of the questions is, how do we do that? And my point to them was really see where you can get the most bang for your buck in asking that question. So it's not just everybody asks the question all the time, which we'd like to do, but how impactful would it be if the people doing the local SNAP or, or food stamps asked that question? Are you or your family, have you ever served in the military? One of the things that we saw here in Colorado is our criminal justice system. In our jails, specifically here in my community, they asked that question, have you ever served? Again, away from the veteran question. So the jail knows how many veterans are in jail at any given time. But the court system, so the judicial side, was not asking that question. This is actually some legislation that we had passed a couple of years ago that required on first appearance for everyone who is in the, in the court system to ask, have you ever served? That's an example of how do we ask the question, but in a very specific context, which will give us the information, number one, how many veterans are in the court systems, but also there are some other resources available for you where you normally wouldn't volunteer that. So I agree, figuring out how to put in those unique ways to ask the question in very specific areas. Of course, yes, Howard and Gene are talking about the medical and the clinical space, but I'm just talking about anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, and there is sometimes veterans, military service members might prefer to not be known to have served. That can happen as well, but at least... If they would like to be identified and, and have that as part of the conversation, then there's an opportunity to broach it. And I think, uh, again, this goes back to, we're not asking the question just to be able to say, hey, identify yourself as special, but to be able to say, look, there are resources available for you because of your military service, and we want to help you there. That was really the, the yeah. goal behind asking this question in the criminal justice system in the courts, which would be the same for someone, again, our local workforce center asks that question, have you ever served in the military? Because they have special programs for those who have served in the military and their family members. So definitely, again, it's 
great to hear this, this strategic level concept, but how it's actually being applied uh, again in Nevada and then hundreds of other places around the U.S. If we can just figure out how to get all of that together and all pulling in the same direction, we might make a difference. So we appreciate everybody for taking the time to check out the show. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at bettermentalhealth.com forward slash STMSS or by downloading the app by searching STMSS in the Apple app or Google Play stores. In the show notes, you can get the links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as finding the show on militarytimes.com. As a reminder, you can ask us questions and let us know what you thought about the show by going to our Facebook group, moderated by the outstanding B. James, by going to Better Mental Health. You can find out more about the work that Shauna's doing by checking out her latest book, Warrior, How to Support Those Who Protect Us, and the work that I'm doing by checking out my latest book, Military in the Rearview Mirror, Mental Health and Wellness in Post-Military Life. Both are available on Amazon and we'll have links to them in the show notes. Just a reminder that the guests and reflections on this show are for informational purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. While Dwayne and I are mental health professionals, we are not your mental health professionals. We always recommend that you discuss these things with a licensed clinician. And always remember you can connect with the Veteran Crisis Line by calling 1-800-273-8255 and pressing one chat online with them at veterancrisisline.net or texting 838255. Thanks again for joining us to talk about seeking the military suicide solution and make sure to follow Military Times on social media to keep up with the latest shows. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, remember, you're not alone ever.